What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. I think when that red light comes on, it means we're supposed to start. We're on. We're on. <laughs> oh, it's uh, there's these um, strange little wet things falling from the sky. <laughs> Is it raining outside? <laughs> Sprinkling, barely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Just a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, and uh, it's supposed to be a little bit today, a little bit this evening, a little bit tomorrow morning. Where it probably won't even. Nah, reach. but, but like, it helps. Yeah, it, it's it not going to reach half an inch. But hey. It's enough to really make doing removals a trick when it's raining on, you know, electrical equipment and power tools. I bet and that's stuff. right. Yeah. What I like about it is we had enough rain at the house. We probably got a quarter inch to make white brush bloom again. Yeah, you're happy with that white brush, oh, man. Yeah. It's it's everywhere out there. Yeah, yeah. I used to say, yeah, bees like that. Now I'm sitting there. Oh yeah, white brush is gonna bloom. My bees are gonna have something to eat. Well, and uh, so you sent the pictures. We'll go through and post them on Instagram. But you sent the pictures of the pigweed. Yep. And the pigweed is blooming, and the pigweed is providing a pollen source. Yep. And so first thing in the morning when the bees wake up, they kind of go through. They do inventory. You know, they've got larvae and brood and stuff they've been feeding all night long. And they're like, all right, our pollen stores are low. We need more of the protein so that we can keep making the brood food. And so first thing in the morning, they go out and they start gathering that. And you go out and you took some pictures and stuff of it. And, and they're, they're just they're thick. covered in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're thick on it. Yeah. You uh, you sent those. And he's like, I don't know if you can see any bees in there. And I zoomed in. There was like three or four of them in just that oh, yeah. one photo. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all over it. I was sitting there thinking, I just need to just sit down in the middle of it and put it on video, and you because you can hear the hum. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't I mean that this thick in there? And, and, and John's sitting there, he's saying that, and then, you know, we just I just come off of doing the radio show. You know, what was I talking about just a few minutes ago? Yeah, the whole last like fifteen minutes of the show was all Ken talking about honey and uh, and everything that he's learned about it, and he was going through and talking about you know the the pollen is the protein and the honey is the nectar. And, and I was saying right, you were I? you were getting it all correct. I was very proud of you. I didn't I didn't have to to chime in. I, I thought about it. Hey, but no, you're doing good. You did a good job. And folks, if you'll catch that, that's the great outdoors on our the great outdoors on iHeart, which you can catch that on podcast too. Yep. Uh, that one specifically, you would have to go to iHeart's app yeah. and uh, look for The Great Outdoors. And uh, do both of them fall into The Great Outdoors, or does the Sunday Sportsman? It's The Great Outdoors and Sunday Sportsman. Yeah. You just look at the times there, the dates. Yeah, he, so he has two different shows that he does on there. Every Saturday and Sunday morning, The Great Outdoors is on Saturday, and mm-hmm. The uh, Sunday Sportsman's on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes through and talks about hunting and fishing and, and bees and all kinds of oh, fun yeah. things. We're going to talk hunting tomorrow on the sunday sportsman <laughs> here i am going to talking show now but uh <laughs> but we got macy ledbetter he's a uh a uh biologist did you hear you didn't hear early this morning i had jimmy houston on i did not i was still jimmy asleep. houston <laughs> is you know everybody knows who jimmy houston is big time bass fisherman he also raises he has probably several thousand acres of pecan trees so i pestered him i said jimmy we need to get you in the bee business. And I, I, I forgot what his wife's name is. He says, well, me and, so, and he calls his wife's name. We've been talking about bees. Very cool. So 
I think it would be pretty easy to get him in the bee business. <laughs> so we may have to make a trip. Yeah. So, but well, they, uh, and they don't even necessarily have to be in the business so much as I mean, he just wants a couple of yeah, three hives. That's all hives. for the hive of honey. Have a couple hives. Yeah. And and uh, Chris, Chris is his wife's name. Eric just says Chris is his wife's name. He's right. And uh, but uh, it, Jimmy Houston is a blast. And that was really a good. If y'all listen to the Great Outdoors, check it out. It'll be the. Six fifteen to six forty five segment, and that was fun. I mean, it really was. And and we got to talking bees and fishing and pecan trees and pretty much what I do. Yeah, we just we just talk. It's BS. Talk BS. <laughs> pretty much like I'm doing right now. So <laughs> let's let's put in um let's put in a little side note here. Nobody stole my honey yet either. Yeah. Okay. So y'all, you all, you guys are failing me miserably. I was I was looking forward so much to being able to stin, steal Ken's honey. Like I had it all planned out. You guys would have loved it. And you know, here we are. We're two weeks in, and we have not reached that magical number yet. Um, I don't even think we've reached 600 technically. Let me look real quick. It'll take just a second. And, oh, 586 followers on Instagram. We need y'all on Instagram. Yeah, 586 followers on Instagram. We need more. More. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I was saying. It's I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, at least this year, yeah. we're not going to steal your honey Nobody and give it to anybody because we're nowhere near that. Or, sorry, not the, the thousand mark. We've reached the 500 mark, but we are not near the thousand mark. Yeah. So you're probably now, safe there. Now, see, I'm going to do what you normally have to do to me. Uh, now, what are we going to talk about on the Hive Jab? Well, we got um, a couple of things to talk about that you had actually brought up. We went and did the inspection yes. on your hives. yes. And it, as you may or may not have seen, if you have not, go out to Instagram. And if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But go out there and you can see on Instagram, I think Instagram and Facebook both, you can see the the video of us cutting your first comb of honey out yep. of there. Um, and uh, when we did those inspections, the top bars themselves, they looked pretty good. They did good. They, they did uh, good. We, we made sure to leave them each with 12 bars. Mm-hmm. So they have plenty of room mm-hmm. to have plenty of stores to make it through the winter. Now, this time of year, they're not necessarily going to draw out any new comb. They're, the comb building no. season is really kind of over. There's ways you can kind of artificially stimulate that and try to keep them going, but uh, when you reach the the summer dearth for us, or when you start approaching fall, the bees switch gears. They know that the days are getting shorter. They know that the temperature is starting to change, and they change all of their attitude. Instead of growing and expanding, mm-hmm. now it's all about storing and preparing. Mm-hmm. So they're going to start filling all the comb that they've already drawn out with the honey. They're for us. They're going to be eating through it through the month of August, and right. then they're going to turn around and they'll refill it in late September, all of October, and part of November. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be their food stores then carrying them on over into the winter. But when we did the inspection on the Langstroths, the Langstroths, oddly enough, they have they really haven't grown. So no. we started them off with five frames. Mm-hmm. And they drew out the sixth frame and one side of the seventh frame. Mm-hmm. So there is still three and a half undrawn frames in there. Mm-hmm. So we have formulated a plan. And uh, part of this will actually, we can talk about in the, the next little part too mm-hmm. as well. But part of it is that we have found a resource where we can get some drawn comb that mm-hmm. is in good quality, good shape. It's not been used so much that it's dark and potentially nope. toxic. 
and we know where those bees were from and kind of what they've done so we can kind of trust it. So we've got these extra frames of comb that are already drawn out. Now that means the bees don't have to spend the resources to go through and draw that wax. So we're going to take the three undrawn comb frames mm -hmm. in the Langstroth. We're going to take those out and replace them with three frames that are already drawn, mm -hmm. which means they can immediately utilize them. So now their space is going to increase. They can use that for the queen to lay more eggs and, more importantly, to have enough room to store enough food to make it through the winter. So their one deep box is going to be completely full and they'll be good to go. So... But when we were looking through and kind of doing an evaluation to figure out why maybe these bees are not doing as well, um, you've got the difference in obviously the the hive style and the top bars are able to build their comb mm -hmm. naturally, whatever cell sizes they want and everything else. The Langstroths, you're you're kind of trapped if you've got that foundation in a specific cell size mm -hmm. and dimensions and all that. And the the bees have gone through and they're like. They just don't really, they don't have the oomph. They're not as vigorous. They're right. not, you know, they there's like, wasn't. yeah, there's just a lot going on. So when I went through and I was doing the inspection, uh, you were out there. Your son, mm -hmm. Max, was also out there. It is hotter than hell. It was, yeah, it was the middle of the day because we did the show first and yep. then we drove out there and uh, it was it was like noon or one o'clock. And so it was upper 90s. Yeah, oh, it, was it was 102. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it was up there. It, it was, was one of the warm, warm days. So we're out there and we're going through looking and I, I pick up a bee and I show you guys, uh, we actually saw visually a mite on the back of a bee. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we were able to see the Varroa mite and it is, you know, it's kind of like a microscopic tick. It's mm -hmm. kind of what it looks like. It's what a little flat like? red disc and you could see it on the back of this one bee. And so I picked it up and I showed you guys and I said, now, typically, if you can see the mites... You, you should just go ahead. If you are going to be doing any types of treatments, that doesn't necessarily mean synthetic pesticide chemicals. It can be the organic treatments. It can be mechanical treatments, as in like doing brood breaks. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of contention in the beekeeping world over treatment versus treatment-free. And a lot of times people get lost in the semantics of what that is. And really, if you have treatment, they, they see that as chemicals. They see that as poison. But there's this other thing called IPM, which is Integrated Pest Management Solutions or Systems. Mm -hmm. And when you do IPM, that can mean a screen bottom board. That can mean doing a brood break where you purposely make it to where there's no brood in the colony for a certain amount of time. You can go through and you can do splits, which also creates a brood break. There's these things you can do that have no chemicals to them whatsoever, but yet you're still technically treating. You're just doing a more natural type of treatment. And people don't really see it that way. They see it more black and white. Oh, well, if you're treating, that means you're you're doing chemicals and you're doing these other things, but it doesn't necessarily really mean that. Um, but usually the mites are well hidden and they're down underneath the cappings with right. the larva and the reproducing. And in, in the situation where you can see a mite on a bee, that's usually a bad thing because they'll they'll usually be hiding up underneath the actual dorsal plates and stuff around the bees' fat cells and feeding, and that's not what we saw. We saw it literally on the back yeah, of the bee, the just bank. hanging out. Not just one; we found two. Yes, and then on in the other colony, yeah. we we were able to actually find a bee that had signs of deformed wing virus, mm -hmm. and that virus is very aptly named because. The wings of the bee will look like they've been burnt or yep. shriveled or melted. Yep. They're all gnarly and weird looking, and the bee cannot actually fly. Yep. And that is a virus that is normal. They do get that on their own accord, but it's usually in, in very, very small quantities, right? Well, when you introduce something like the varroa mite, the varroa goes through and actually feeds 
on the bees, and when it's feeding on the bees, it's feeding on their fat stores. It's feeding on the vitagelin inside the bee. It's not actually feeding on their blood or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it's able to then transfer and transmit deformed wing virus from bee to bee to bee to bee. And that causes like this epidemic where that, that one virus mm-hmm. then kind of explodes throughout the colony. So when we went through and we, we saw these two things, well, now you have potentially some evidence in there of the bees themselves. They're not doing as well, but it could be because now they've got other stressors and other things going on. And there is something that everybody should be aware of is that unless you're lucky and you live in Australia, everybody else has mites. Like they're everywhere. They're on every continent. Australia ain't got mites. Australia does not have mites. They're the only place right now that does not. Um, I want to buy my bees from Australia. You can't. Oh, I can't. You can't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I won't ship them. Okay. Yeah, you there, and that's part of the reason. That's why mites are everywhere is because of the loose laws on import and export, and people just kind of willy nilly doing whatever that. they yeah. wanted. And these creatures then make it these other pests and things like the the small hive beetle. Mm-hmm. That's not native to the United States, but we've got it. And Hawaii has it, you know, and Hawaii has the mites now. Um, I think New Zealand has the mites now, too. So they're everywhere but Australia. Wow. And it's one of those things that we could have, with more strict controls, we might have been able to stop some of that, but it's now it's too late. The genie's out of the bottle. It's, it's, it's done. Um, but they're everywhere. They're going to be in every colony. There is no colony that has truly zero mites. Now, when we did the test at our apiary, we go through and we get tested by the apiary inspection service every year. And when they do that, they're they're looking for American fowl brood, European fowl brood. They do mite checks. They check for nosema spores to see if there's any of that inside the colony, like all this kind of stuff. And I randomly will pick, like, we'll just go through and almost kind of like flipping a coin. All right, check that one, check that one, check that one, check this one. And when we did the checks, all of our results came back, zero mites. And that's pretty astounding yeah, that's, that's that's pretty good yeah um, but it truly doesn't mean that there are no mites in there there could have been one mite in one cell or on one bee out of those sixty thousand bees and we just did not happen to test that one bee but usually if you get a sampling they go through and they'll say well x amount of percent or more you need to treat x amount of percent or less you don't one of the things that i say though is if you can visibly see the mites on yeah, the bees you should treat. probably treat you need to do something be it chemical be it synthetic be it nothing preferably not synthetic and and so i would say not to do that specifically but um, so we're we're not gonna I'm not gonna take up too much more time on this segment on on mites or anything because that's well, gonna that's, be a much a larger yeah that's gonna be a much larger conversation. But what you can do anytime you have questions about mites, how to treat mites, and what to do. So we are going to treat the two Langstroths, and we're going to do it with Apigard. And Apigard is one of the organic treatments, and it is made from thyme. So its active ingredient is thymol, and it kind of has like this mentholatum type smell to it. But you put that in there, it acts kind of twofold where the off-gassing of it actually interferes with the mites' receptors. It kind of burns the receptors so they can't actually sense the cells that are the larvae that are old enough for them to really get into to gestate and go through and, and create more babies. And then the second half of it is the bees, they don't want it in there, so they smear it all over everything trying to get it out. And then if it touches the mite, it'll actually kill the mite. Okay. So it is, it's an organic treatment. It is not harmful to the bees themselves, but it is harmful to the mite. And that's what we're going to specifically do, and that'll be a 14-day kind of course of treatment that you'll go through mm-hmm. and do. 
and then we'll come back and we'll we'll see how they rebound in the fall and make sure that they do good. But if you guys have questions on mites, if you're wondering how to treat, how to measure, what the ratios and stuff are, the different options you can do, there's this very wonderful guide out there. It's a resource. You can either do a Google search for Varroa Management Guide, mm -hmm. or you can do a Google search for the Honeybee Health Coalition. And either of those two things will bring up the Varroa Management Guide. And it is literally the end-all, be-all on mite treatments, mite management, how to check for them, everything. It tells you step-by-step. Step. It'll even go so far as to break it down by if you're in this region and it's this time of the year, here are your options and here is the effectiveness of each of those options and then you can choose what you want to do. So Varroa Management Guide, the uh, Honeybee Health Coalition, those two things are an amazing resource for that information. So go out there, check that out. And that will, for this year anyway, that'll answer your questions on that stuff. And then as we move into our second year of shows, we'll go through and we'll, we'll talk way more in depth about mites and what they mean and what they do. And we'll have some uh, special guests that'll come in here and just blow your mind on some of the information they have. You know, on, on these particular highs, and, I, and I, you know, I have been telling you since dang near day one, John, there's something the matter with the Langstroths. And John says, oh, you know, da, da, da. But the, the top bars are just so busy. They're working so hard. The Langstroths, they just never took off. It just, they they wasn't busting it like the top bars were. And and then we went in there and did that, and then you found them. And then that's the one hive that I, I had been telling you. That's the hive that's the weakest. Yep, it's just not as busy, not as active. Uh, yep. And so we're going to fix that, and, and I will tell you all right now, i got Apivar, and i got my butt chewed out. Um, now I've got Apigard coming in today. So <laughs> there, You have to be very careful because what, what he ended up doing is we had a conversation on the phone, and I was telling him, I was like, well, if you want to go through and do one of them, you can do Apigard, and it is a, an organic uh, mm -hmm. treatment that would actually work. Well, when you pull up online for any type of treatments, there's literally like five oh, of yeah. them that all yeah, start is. with API. There's Apigard, Apistan, Apitra, or uh, Apa, Apivar Life, you know, Apigard. So there's like, there's all these APs in there. And he got confused, and he ordered the wrong one. That yep. ended up actually being the so I got, I got, true I got synthetic. That is the yeah, Amitraz, and uh, he he sent me a thing, and he's like, "Hey, this is on the way," and I was like, "Oh God, no! no. Throw it away!" It's <laughs> like, I "Don't use it. that one. Don't ever put that one in there." So he went back and he ordered the Apigard, which mm -hmm. is the thymol. The end today had yeah. probably been there already, but uh, yeah, and I, that, we'll put that in. And it says when I was reading the instructions, oh, it's uh, go to Daydant. Put in their instructions on Apricard, and it got it's right there. It tells you all about it. Yep, and that's see that's the thing with that Varroa management guide. It tells you every single type of treatment. Mm -hmm. It tells you how to use each of them. And if you're somebody who likes to read, there's tutorials on it. If you're somebody mm -hmm. that likes to watch videos, there's video tutorials mm -hmm. on it. Like there is no excuse through that resource that you cannot find what you need to do. I know on this it, you know. We're, we're getting in the dirt, so I need to start feeding. So it says, yes and no, you can feed. So I said, John, we got stores. What do I need to do? And John, what did you tell me? If there's plenty of food stores in there, then you don't need to be feeding yeah. right now. You just want to manage and monitor what they have. And when you see that they're starting to burn through their food stores, mm -hmm. then we'll switch over and we'll start feeding. So I'm going to – and then also – these little tubs that the Apigard comes in, you set it on top of your frames over the brood. Then you put your your 
intercover back on there. So I'm sitting there. Yeah, right. Uh, then you put your inner cover back on. I said, John, I don't think there's enough room for that tub. Well, and he, he told me, well, get a shim. Or if I don't have shims, by the way, the inner cover, all they are is stapled together. You pop the staples out, pull the board back out, slide the bar back on, uh, slide that the frame, the frame yeah. back together, and there you are. You can set it on there. So and I can put it back together when I'm ready to. What he's talking about is we we made a makeshift uh, shim. So basically, you can buy this thing that is basically like a picture frame, and it is the exact same dimensions as your boxes and as yep. the outer framework of your inner cover. Yep. And the only thing is it doesn't have anything in the middle. So it just, what it, it raises the inner cover and the lid up about three quarters of an inch mm -hmm. to provide just a little bit more space so that you can put a treatment down there. Or if you flip flop it and you have your inner cover and then you put the shim on top of that, you have a little bit more space above the inner cover for some situations where you might want to do a winter feeding of like a sugar camp mm -hmm. in there. That uh, That's kind of what those are used for is ventilation and extra space and whatnot. So he took one of his inner covers and modified it to yep. create a shim because it's the same same principle and he could do it that day instead of having to try to order or yep. build something. So, so it's, uh, we'll have them treated this afternoon. Yeah. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret, the Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.